Welcome to Topple Uncaged. I'm Steve Topple and you're locked on to the UK's hottest politics and music podcast. Each week I bring you the rawest takes on the big stories making the news, always joined by a very special guest. Then I pleasure your mind, body and soul with the freshest, most banging international music going. What's up everyone, I am Steve Topple, it is Sunday the 28th of July, and that can only mean one thing, it's this week's edition of Topple Uncaged. Yes, there are only two stories that are really dominating the headlines this week. One of them is, of course, the heat wave that struck the UK with record-breaking temperatures for July being set in Cambridge. The sun has got his hat on. Hip, 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 hooray. Now, of course, hopefully listeners to this show will have the insight to know that the heat wave was not a good thing by any stretch of the imagination. My goodness, how many more extreme weather events do we need before our politicians, lawmakers and corporations start to take climate change as seriously as they should be doing? However, the media did not help with this at all. If you look across the mainstream press this week, there were swathes of constant reports about how people were enjoying the sun, enjoying the weather. Oh, but you need to be a bit careful in it with just the smallest hat tips to the fact that this is more than likely being induced by climate change. And of course the narrative as well that built was, well okay, what can we do to mitigate these effects of climate change like the heat wave that we were having? All about insulating homes, cutting down this, cutting down that. Not the fact that it's actually capitalism at the root of all this and corporations which are causing this. And if all that wasn't bad enough, and if you wanted a perfect example of the negligence surrounding climate change that there still is within society, on the 25th of July, the hottest day in July on record, 225,000 flights happened across the world, the most in human history. And moreover, there was the devastating news that around 150 refugees had drowned off the coast of Libya. Why is this related to climate change? Well, what caused the war in Libya? Um, It was the fact that Libya has the highest oil reserves in the whole of Africa and is in the top 10 for oil reserves in the whole of the world. Crony corporatist capitalists invading Libya for its oil. Yeah, nothing to see here. But of course, until we start to take this as seriously as we need to, very little is going to change. Oh boy! Speaking of change... This next track is rather apt for the person I want to talk about now. Yes, it would be remiss of me not to mention the fact that Boris Johnson walked into number 10 this week as Prime Minister. Now, the general chatter around him on social media has, of course, been about his views on various topics, his stance on Brexit and the people he has appointed to Cabinet. Start talking like he's rock. How was it like work if it took five months? Five months is a long time to be ghost. You look so stressed out. I hope you've not 
been drinking again. That's a- However, I think there's a narrative that has been missed in all this. And that is the fact he is a corporatist capitalist just like David Cameron was. Now, with Theresa May, what you essentially had was a Christian fundamentalist prime minister. Really old school conservative right-wing values in terms of that the poor need to help themselves out of poverty and anyone who doesn't do this should be left on the scrap heap. You witnessed that in her continued drive for universal credit. That foreigners were bad. You witnessed that while she was home secretary with her go-home vans and the policies that she introduced then as well. But also the fact that she obviously had this kind of notion that the UK had some sort of colonial imperial worth within the EU, hence why she wants to remain and hence why her Brexit plans were such a disaster. Let's make this very clear now. Boris Johnson is nothing like Theresa May. He is essentially in this corporatist capitalist mould that David Cameron and George Osborne are. I mean, firstly, you only have to look at who is appointed to cabinet. Pretty Patel, who was working as a consultant for MOD contractors taking bungs from them, and let's not mention her um, dodgy dealings with the Israeli government. Sajid Javid, former Deutsche Bank executive. And Jacob Rees-Mogg, who makes a small fortune out of his private investments. You don't get shows and your EP flops and I got... But if you want to hear any more of Boris Johnson's resume being a corporatist capitalist, just check out his Register of Members' Interests and Parliament. He has had tens of thousands of pounds in donations from J.C. Banford in the past few months, J.C. Banford being the people behind J.C.B., big Tory donor, but whose donations dropped off under Theresa May, and suddenly they're funding Boris Johnson. They're the epitome of corporatist capitalism, having various companies registered in Bermuda where they siphon money to avoid paying tax in this country properly. And also look at Boris Johnson's speaking engagements, giving numerous lectures to the insurance industry and private venture capital. Johnson is a corporatist through and through, and like I said at the start of this section, this is not being discussed enough. Johnson is a corporatist through and through, and like I said at the start of this section, this is not being discussed enough. Never mind the implications of Brexit and what he's going to do with that, we need to be looking at the long term, if he remains as Prime Minister, of how his policies and his corporate nature is going to affect this country. Trust me, you thought it was bad under David Cameron. Things can only get worse. (laughs) Yep, Boris Johnson is a fat, conniving racist. Boris Johnson is a fat, conniving bigot. Boris Johnson is a fat, conniving xenophobe. But moreover, Boris Johnson is a corporatist capitalist. That is what we need to be most afraid of. Weighing in at a measly 60 pounds, we have a wasteman. <laughs> Box him along. Wasteman. Soaring above this week's top stories, I'm free flying with. My guest on today's show is from an outstanding organisation which is just beginning to spread its wings. It is dealing with rare diseases, but also a very, very pertinent and close-to-my-heart subject that is fabricated and induced illness. Um, I've discussed this before, I've I've written about this, and you'll see me tweeting about it quite a lot. And this organisation aims to support families who who find themselves in this predicament. Um, She is absolutely fantastic, I, I know her quite well now it's lovely um she's absolutely brilliant and she is here to talk more about this organization what they do why they founded it and how you guys at home listening can get involved and also if you need support it's the fantastic emma louise from eos advocacy is on the podcast emma louise thank you so much for coming on to talk about this you know this is a big issue for me so thank you for coming on to discuss it 
That's great. Morning. Hello. It's a pleasure to have you here, of course. So let's go straight into the nuts and bolts of this. I mean, EOS Advocacy, it's only recently been set up. What, in layman's terms, is this all about for you guys? Um, So we've identified a need for specialist advocacy. We know there's some absolutely superb advocacy services around across the UK, but fabricated and um, induced illness allegations are very much such a specified and kind of a niche area. So it's important to have an advocacy service in the UK to support families that do find themselves um, wrongly accused of this very, very rare form of child abuse and also have individuals who are trained, regulated, insured and accredited in order to um, point them in the direction of the correct professionals and work alongside the correct professionals whilst um, fighting these really terrible false accusations absolutely i mean for listeners at home who may not have um heard or read what i've done with this subject before fabricated or induced illness is essentially what used to be called munchausen syndrome via proxy it's where yeah. um where medical professionals um accuse parents usually the mother in a lot of these situations excuse the mother of essentially either projecting her own illness onto her child or making up a child's illness for for various reasons now the the rates of this are very very unclear um I think I should just say on occasion it is an actual thing but more often than not it seems to be the case that um, organisations and government agencies tend to use FII in terms of when um, there's other issues which they perceive are at play or they don't understand the illness that the parent is describing which is in so many cases. Yeah, most definitely. Um, fabricated or induced illness in itself is an incredibly rare um, form of child abuse. But unfortunately, what we are seeing is an increase in cases where um, an allegation of fabricated induced illness or FII is being used against families either because of lack un- lack of understanding towards conditions such as Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, ME, Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, Gastro Issues or Epilepsy, or alternatively there's a startling rise in when an allegation is springing up directly after a complaint is made against a school or a medical professional. And in this instance, it then is very, very apparent that this is not a genuine safeguarding concern, but this is actually a false concern which is being raised perhaps to cover up medical negligence or sheer ignorance. Oh, my God. Gosh, you've just hit the nail on the head there, Emma Louise, completely. Because yeah, that is that is a major issue. I uh, just sort of going off on a slight tangent here, but I I did um I did major reporting on a case of a um little boy a few years ago from Wales who died of Addison's um, disease, um and the, his father had mountains and mountains of evidence of how the medical profession and social services and then ultimately the police closed ranks to cover up. Um, the doctor's negligence in his case and um, and this was just one case from Wales and I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head there because I think this is quite a widespread problem in terms of sort of medical and professional services um, that are linked to governments closing ranks when they've done something wrong yes. I think it's a crucial issue in this most, most definitely, but I think by having a specialist advocacy service who can work alongside these families and offer them the emotional support and the signposting whilst they are being supported by other professionals such as independent investigators or independent social workers, 
is important so that a we can start tackling this issue but also there needs to be that dialogue between the professionals as well so it isn't just an isn't for example just about going up against them it's about saying this is clearly happened if it's coming from a hospital it's about pointing out the evidence it's about raising awareness that this can actually happen but also within the nhs we do have the nhs duty of candle which perhaps isn't being used as much as it should in which doctors are obviously able to say something has gone wrong make an apology and obviously remedy the situation but unfortunately what we're seeing is this kind of self-preservation um, by blaming it on the families instead and of course if FII which is very rare is occurring of course it is so important that children are safeguarded and there's a very good interagency approach but unfortunately the vast majority of cases are being cleared and are being shown as either being a case of ignorance towards um, a specific set of rare diseases, in particular autism we're seeing a lot at the moment, and lost Danlos syndrome, or alternatively being blazonly used um, in order to, to cover up mistakes. No, absolutely. I think uh, you summed that up very eloquently. Um, yeah, and it's exactly the case, of course, if there is actual um, recognised cases of FII, then that's a completely different kettle of fish. I mean, you, you touched on kind of what EOS advocacy does in there in terms of emotional um, support for families and also acting, I suppose, as an intermediary almost between the family yes. and the and the professionals. Is, so is that the sort of ultimate... I'm going to go off script slightly, but so what do you do, if you like, from start to a kind of middling point when you get involved with a family that is um, under accusation of FII? What's, what does EOS advocacy do specifically? So really, there, there's very much kind of two routes. There's families approaching us directly asking for assistance mm -hmm. in which we can do kind of initial assessment of the case. At that point, it's it's often quite clear where the allegations are coming from, where they've stemmed from. And then we're able to then signpost to the correct services such as specialist education kind of support services independent social workers independent investigators of a complaint needs to be made and then support them throughout that process or alternatively we're getting referrals in from professionals because whilst they're doing for example their independent investigation um, into a hospital or alternatively into um, the local council. They have to remain incredibly independent. That is so important mm. for um, their reports to retain credibility. So then we are there to then kind of do the background work with the family so that that, um, so that, that investigator can remain truly independent in order to get the best results. Yeah, that last bit you said is absolutely crucial. There has to there has to be a sort of blanket impartiality, doesn't there, in these in these situations? Yes, and obviously when an investigation is going on, um, such as like a into um, a hospital or children's services, this can actually take from anything from months up to you know even a, a couple of years if you're going all all of the way through the health health ombudsman and families can often feel um they can feel very isolated and they can feel very let down and abandoned particularly if their case has been upheld and the family have been cleared yet they're going through that complaints process they can often have no support or all of their medical support stripped mm. because even though they've been cleared and might have a case closure letter we're still then working um, in order to get 
records and everything amended. So that's where we're stepping in. We're picking up that bit right at the very bottom, right at the crux of family life, where families need support um, in order to make sure that their life gets back on track and their children also get the relevant support that they do need. It's absolutely fantastic. I, I, I think, again, you summed that up very well, and it's absolutely crucial. And, oh, yeah, the bit about what happens afterwards, as you say, yes. because they, yeah. families um, and children and, and mothers, all their records will be crammed full of essentially false information after, even after they've got a, um, a quashing, if you like, of this accusation. And to, to get yeah. that all cleared off their records so they can move forward, especially in terms of the medical profession, with a, with a clear pattern as it were mm. is no easy task at all is it no um obviously with the obviously the introduction of gdpr that came in um, may last year there is a, a right to rectification for records but as we know often these safe these safeguarding things in particular in particular section 47 investigations child protection investigations cannot be removed from records and these records will often be multi-agency and and widespread so it's so important to families that the records are updated with a case closure letter mm. and GDPR is used to its fullest extent in order to add amendments where where possible, where information isn't able to be removed. Plus, it's having that conversation. Yeah. It is the elephant in the room, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. the, um, an allegation of FIR. It's a horrendous allegation to face being accused of hurting your own child, particularly if you're being accused just simply when you're advocating for your own child. For example, you're seeking um, an EHCP at school, the correct medical care or a diagnosis and or a diagnosis in itself. And we do know with FII accusations that very normalised parental behaviours such as being anxious when your child is ill or seeking them additional support is actually red flagged. Mm. So it's important for your listeners to realise that this isn't as rare as what people think. Very normal behaviours that they can demonstrate can actually be red, red flagged. And that isn't saying that people should not be going ahead and advocating that for their children it is extremely important but at the same time if things do go wrong there needs to be a specialist advocacy service that is able to pick it up um, and work obviously with the UK's leading professionals in order to in order to try and resolve it and in a few cases I would say that there is an opportunity to sort it out right at the very start, particularly if it's coming from the likes of school or there is some sort of misunderstanding. Um, That is where the opportunity is to sweep in and look at what is happening and look at the evidence and try and close things down at a very early level before they escalate for the family. Absolutely, that is crucial and exactly where EOS advocacy comes in. Just briefly, Emma-Louise, to sum up, I mean, if people listening to this either want to support um, what your organisation is doing or alternatively they feel they are in the positions that we've described in terms of their children, how can, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys at EOS Advocacy? Um, We're active on Twitter under EOS Advocacy and also they can email us at eos-advocacy at outlook.com. Our website um, is coming at the moment. We are um, going through training 
um, safeguarding training and doing all the things that are obviously essential for a high quality advocacy service um, to be brought about. But they can contact us via Twitter or email. Um, if in the rare instance we're not able to assist, we're very, very transparent and that we will always signpost to the correct people to assist with that family's particular needs. Emma Louise, I think it's absolutely fantastic what you're doing. I mean, I know as well as you do that this is not rare at all. It is very widespread. Mm -hmm. um, and also it's quite often, sadly, an issue of socioeconomic status quite often as well. Um, I know on our council estate, um, I can name quite a few families, specifically mothers who have been subject to this this kind of action. Um, and it, it really isn't as rare as people think. And I, and I think it is crucial what you are doing because you are candid, you are eloquent about this um, and you fully understand the issue which is the most important thing so all the links to eos advocacy will be in the show notes emma louise thank you so much for coming on we're going to get you back on again at a later stage to talk about this more in depth because it's a subject that i know you could and i certainly could talk about for uh, <laughs> uh, for hours but for the minute emma louise thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you speak to you soon thank you Time for you guys to be uncaged because Twitter chirps back. Yes, you know what this section of the podcast is. It is Twitter chirps back. The part of the show where you get to air your dirty news laundry. Essentially, very simple. I put out a tweet on the Thursday night. You guys reply and I will read them out on here. My goodness, we've got a lot of comments to get through this week, so we better get started. Um, first off, Paula Peters, campaigning disability rights activist. Hello, Paula. She said, public transport going into meltdown due to weather. Fester McVile, housing minister. My goodness, yes. Could our rail system cope with the heat wave? Could it? Hell, tracks buckling. Um, uh, do you see this happening in France, by the way? Or other hot countries? India, for example? Um, I, I'm not sure, but yes, public transport could not cope. Speaking of public transport, never mind the fact Chris Grayling has gone as transport secretary and his disastrous record in that. That's worthy of another podcast in itself. But yes, public transport in meltdown. Thank you, Paula. And Festa McVile, housing minister. Really, really interesting. The carnage she unleashed, along with Ian Duncan Smith at the DWP. Is that going to be replicated in housing now? My goodness. I mean, if you couldn't have a worse person to be appointed in charge of housing in this country, it is Esther McVeigh. So, Paula, thank you very much for those comments. Um, Gal Leatherby, Gal says, Holiday hunger with food bank need predicted to be worse than last summer. Corbyn and Labour front bridge being criticised for being mean to May on the last day as PM, plus Joe Swinson being heralded, heralded as a saviour. Unbelievable, given the political history's voting records of both women. Yes, I mean, oh God, what do they expect Corbyn to do about May? Going, oh, it's so wonderful to have you as Prime Minister. Thank you so much for everything you've done for this country. If he hadn't a lambasted May, then he'd be criticised by the Labour right for not being tough enough on her. So there's just nonsense, absolute nonsense being spouted about Corbyn's response to May this week. And of course, holiday hunger, this is something that's come up a lot actually in this. Um, Ray, my old mate Ray, Ray Wolford, he says, hashtag hunger, hashtag homeless, hashtag misery, hashtag knife crime. All linked to poverty. How many people, 12 million government figure, must be in poverty before UK Labour, John McDonnell, Richard Bergen appoint Minister for Poverty? My motion calling for this passed at countless constituency Labour parties and Blackpool Conference has yours. Yeah, Ray is calling for Labour to make the role of a poverty minister an actual thing. I think it's a really good idea. I think it's excellent because poverty is not going away. Poverty never goes away. It's inherent to the capitalist system we live under. But yes, I think it'd be a very bold move from Labour following Ray's lead to appoint a poverty minister. Excellent, Ray. Like that a lot. Uh, next up, it's Gav Paws. Paws Radio Sound Engineer Gav Paws. Um, he says, MPs having the same holidays as school kids. Far-right government formation. Lack of support for sick and disabled people. Spectacle of me 
media treating climate change with excitement. I could go on and on. There's so much going on right now. Yeah, um, MPs having the same holidays as school kids, I know. They say, well, we work during the holidays. I bet you fucking don't. Um, yes, they literally have time and time and time off during the year. My mate Alex Stiffen, that respect is vital, who has commented in this thread, and we'll read his comments out later. He's starting a petition on this. I think it's a really good idea. Um, Gav, yes, far-right government formation. Well, it is a bit. You only have to look across the cabinet and some of their, their views to realise that they are pretty hard, right? Um, lack of support for sick and disabled people. As I tweeted, don't get me started on this at the minute with Nicola's PIP application. Um, spectacle of media treating climate change and excitement. Yes, I discussed this. And yes, I could go on and on as well, Gav. Thank you very much for your comment. Um, next up, my queen, Nicola Jeffrey at Nicola C. Jeffrey. She says, um, Heatwave UK and the needs now to name this extreme weather like we already do with some winter storms. Hashtag climate change. Yes, we've touched on that. General election now. Boris is not my prime minister. Yes, of course, we need a general election. I mean, elected by 158,000 members of the Conservative Party. That's even less representative of Jamie Paul when being elected as Labour leader. And she also put, and I did see that someone hacked the Met Police's Twitter account. This was hilarious if you missed this. There's a link to an article by Freya at the Canary in the show notes to this. It was absolutely brilliant. Hacking the Met. Love that. Uh, yep, my old mucker. Benefits News. He said, ruddy rip-off. Amber was under question to work in Pension Select Committee as they tried to calculate the up to £405 and those who lost severe disability premiums still being ripped off, as it depends on the LCWRA. Um, you couldn't make it up except Tory DWP do. Yes, this is Amber Rudd backtracking and saying that they hadn't started paying people for the transition from severe disability premiums to universal credit, where court ruled that people cannot lose money when they change over from the old benefit to the new benefit. There was a big hoo-ha this week about Amber Rudd finally saying, yes, we're finally going to pay these people. Never mind that that court verdict was last year. And Benefits News also said, um, we have a Prime Minister run by his dad, who's quite happy to have a chit-chat about boat swapping with Iran, and it would be very easy-peasy. But Boris attacked Corbyn for speaking on the same platform way back. I'm guessing, Benefits News, you're referring to um, Stanley Johnson appearing on Press TV. And Stanley Johnson, yes, I don't know if you saw my tweets on Tuesday when Boris was actually properly announced as Prime Minister, ITV decided to show in the episode of the Chase Celebrity Special with Stanley Johnson. If you wanted any more soft power media propaganda than trying to subtly put into people's minds that Stanley Johnson there before by default his son Boris Johnson is some kind of cuddly bumbly funny character then you have it with ITV showing that special edition of The Chase. Out bloody rageous. As promised, Alex Tiffin, that respect is vital, behind the Universal Credit Sufferer website, um, he echoed a lot of people's thoughts, hashtag climate emergency, hashtag right-wing takeover, MPs on another holiday, and holiday hunger. Lucy Wood, um, who is from the brilliant Unity News, she chipped in with, holiday hunger would be my choice too. Unite having a day of action on the 1st of August against Universal Credit and holiday hunger. Yes, 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 I had them on the podcast a few weeks ago, there'll be details to this action by Unite Community and Unite the Union about holiday hunger and Universal Credit in the show notes. Lucy Wood always says, um, Boris Johnson is a dweeb. We know how ridiculous he is. We don't need to waste our time talking about him. Well, he is ridiculous, Lucy, but I think he is extremely dangerous. Um, speaking of dangerous as well, invisible me, hashtag I stand with Corbyn at Carol's Mail 56. Hello, Carol. She says, Pretty Patel, now the most dangerous woman in the UK. I think there's quite a few people to select from for dangerous people in this country, but Pretty Patel, yes, is one of them. She really is a devious, nasty bit of work as a politician. Um, Ray also piped up on this and said, Sadly, all political parties have leadership that is totally 
heavily detached on the young and the poor. Some better at lip service than others. Yeah, I think Labour have a bit of a problem here with well engaging with the young. I mean, they're very good at engaging with young middle class students, don't get me wrong. But on my council estate, I don't think they've engaged with anybody, to be honest. Cora Blimey, hashtag NHS, hashtag SOS, she said, um, Cambridge Analytica, TPA, IEA, Johnson and Co. We've officially become Trumpton. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, Boris Johnson's linked to Cambridge Analytica, the Institute for Economic Affairs, etc., etc., which is all kind of aping Trump, as it were. And House Martin, Palestinian flag, hashtag JC4BM 2019 at Coley MC3. He's done his own version, if for those of you who are old enough to remember Trumpton, the um, kind of model cartoon about um, fire engines and fire people, I believe. He, he's put some alternative lyrics to this. He's put, Here are the cocks, the Trumpton cocks, towing the line steadily, sensibly, never too quickly, never too slowly, towing the line for Trumpton. Pooh, pooh, Boris Johnson, Bannon, Farage and Banks. <laughs> Love that. I think, I, I know it's a very serious subject, but I, you can't help have a little bit of humour sometimes. Um, House Martin, that is excellent. Pooh, pooh, as in Putin. Pooh, pooh, Boris Johnson, Bannon, Farage and Banks. Love it. Um, on a very serious note, actually, here, and this is something I know nothing about and I'm going to look into, Emma Friedman at Emma Friedman, she says, My son is 20 and has Val Pro 8 syndrome, complex learning disability, autism, and a few physical issues. He's got four more weeks till he's back at college. Where are the holiday clubs and activities for adults with learning disability? I need a break and he needs to socialise. Um, now, Val Pro 8 syndrome, I believe, is something that's caused by medication that was given to parents, um, and mothers, rather, during pregnancy and that caused all sorts of complications um, within the child i haven't probably looked into this but yeah check out emma friedman's timeline it's at emma friedman this is very interesting i'm gonna have her on a podcast edition very soon to talk about this thank you emma i do appreciate your honesty and your personal comment very 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 interesting and important i will look into it and last up, Piersy at Piersy, um, he said, gave me an image. I made a few of these in 2015 after Russell Brand told young people not to vote. The image is saying, don't vote. They're all the same. Thank you. With the conservative logo on it. Um, I've kind of been on the fence about voting over the years, but I have to say, as I get older, the slightly less radical when it comes to voting I get. And I think if we did have a general election now, regardless of my concerns over Corbynism not being a long-term solution to our problems in the short term, we do need a Labour government, as I keep saying. If there was a general election i will put my money where my mouth is now and say yes i would vote labor you can hold me to that as well and that's it for this week's twitter chirps back thank you so much for all your comments there's loads this week I, I don't know if i've actually read them all out but lots of comments from loads of different people absolutely brilliant you can always get involved on the thursday night i will be putting out a tweet next thursday and you just reply to it and i'll read it all out here it is that simple and here's this week's banger in revolutionary bird song my guest on today's show is going to be a musical star. Trust me when I say that. She is going to blow up this year. She has gorgeous, sultry, effortless vocals, this brilliant ability to do complex rhyming patterns, and searingly honest, powerful, and completely moving at times lyrics as well. All of these things combined are things of absolute beauty. She is signed to one of the most groundbreaking record labels in the business. I do think she's going to absolutely blow up, and her latest single is absolutely stunning it is a masterpiece but we will talk about that later i'm very excited to have on this edition of the podcast leela ik leela thank you so much for coming on it's a real treat for me to have you on because like i said i think i think you're fantastic (laughs) 
Thanks so much for having me. The pleasure is mine also, trust me. Ah, you're too kind. Thank you for coming on. Your musical journey into the, the, the industry and the point we're at now is great. I love it. I was reading up on you and you started off sort of singing and freestyling at school where you were, you were called the class clown, but that was kind of in a nice way, wasn't it? They, they, <laughs> it was a compliment. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was just the person that everybody would look to for entertainment, you know? I love that. I think it's great. Then you were freestyling. You wrote the graduation song for your school. Then you moved on to university where you started doing open mic nights. And you just kind of, you hooked up with a couple of couple of artists called um, Kabaka Pyramid and Protégé, um, just, just as you do. Yeah. And you did some tracks with Protégé and then you eventually signed to his label, which we're going to talk about later. But your debut single was Biggest Fan. Now, I mean, the track itself is at absolutely gorgeous it's this kind of roots dub um mashup almost if you like and it, it's a brilliant track it shows off brilliantly your effortless vocals which kind of just glide over glide over the backing singers and the dub synths and the whole reggae vibe it's, it's a stunning track it's beautifully done and it was a, it was a tribute to your mother now this bit of your story is fascinating i'm really interested by this because your mother didn't approve of you becoming a musician at first but the song is about the fact she ended up being your your biggest fan what's what was the deal with your mother what were her concerns at first about you getting into the music industry uh you know like any parent they want to be able that yeah they want to be to be in control for as long as they can be you know so I was going to university at the time, basically fairly new to university. I, it was probably my second year, first semester. And, you know, things started to get difficult as it relates to, like, the, fin- the financial obligation. So I decided I was going to stop school for a bit and get a job. And the job I got was in Kingston. So I moved. I decided I wanted to move to Kingston and spoke to her about it and she was like you know okay cool i guess that's okay until the day when it was actually time for me to move she was like no what am i doing i don't even know town and you know it was just a very rough period mm. because i literally had to just take my stuff and go you know and then she didn't know that i was pursuing music like taking it seriously she had she had like an idea because she'd always see me on my computer, she'd see me recording stuff within the house, you know, in my little setup, my laptop and a headset with a microphone on it. But I guess she figured that, you know, me wanting to move, that was also a part of it. So she was saying, you know, you w- I know exactly why you want to go to Kingston. You want to go so you can go to the studio and you can't trust these people. And, you know, so it was just a pretty rough time. So when I moved, I knew that, it was no coming back unless I really got my, you know, my shit together. Cause she's really going to be one. She's already concerned that I'm going off on my own Two, She thinks that I'm basically just going because I have this little hobby that I want to, you know, keep up with and, you know, meet other people and such. But she was just telling me, Oh, the, the world is a bigger and more serious place than, you know, my, my room. So when I moved, I just really decided to take stuff, musical stuff, way more seriously. 
And thank goodness you did get your shit together, as you say, because we're, <laughs> we're, we're now at this point. And so your, your mum must be like over the moon that it all worked out then. Um, because, I mean, it's fair enough that she had concerns, obviously, because a lot of parents, when their children have musical talents, can be quite pushy, can't they? And that was actually probably a good reflection on her that she maybe was cautious with you. But, I mean, she must be she must be very pleased with what her little girl's done now because, as I said in the Introduction. You're signed to Protégé's Musical Family Indignation Collective, um, and you are doing fantastic stuff on there. I mean, it's a it's a brilliant, brilliant label, and it's it's so groundbreaking in its approach to not only music but the way it's it looks after and um, nurtures its artists. And Protégé is just um, absolutely stunning. I mean, he's such a fantastic artist, um, friend of the show. Had him on a few months ago, Grammy nominated Protégé, I should add. Yeah, um, and he's just brilliant I mean what's it like that must be the best like musical environment to be working in working with him and his crew surely yeah it definitely is I feel blessed you know to be a part of a team like that a team that's very accurate as it relates to getting stuff done and getting stuff organized a team that is just as excited about music as as I am and also dedicated to the growth of my career, you know, it's not just about, you know, making money. They're really looking for, you know, the catalog and the quality of music that I put out to grow and and be one that, you know, people can look at and say, yo, this is some great body of work. So um, aside from all of the business um, aspects of it, I also have like a front row seat in, you know, the life of a legend. I get to watch him do his work. I get to 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 hear about his muses. I get to just experience real hard work, you know, and also a very pure man, somebody that's that's probably one of the best men that I've ever met, you know. And also I'm also shadowing him musically. So it's it's a plus in all angles and I'm very thankful for his support. It must be amazing. I mean, when I interviewed him, he's 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 so humble and very kind of quietly spoken. It's not what what yeah, I, what I expected at all. It was it was fascinating talking to him, be able to spend that time sort of picking his brains almost. I mean, and and as you said, I mean, it's, it it must it must be musically enriching. But moreover, more brilliance is of course your new track, "Where I'm Coming From." It's this brilliant mix of all different genres. I mean, so this kind of mashing up of styles, as it were, is is yeah. that eclecticism? Is that coming from you? Are you are you sort of mainly reggae, or are you really musically diverse when it comes to your own tastes? And again, what music influences you? Yeah, personally, you know, um, reggae for sure is like my very first love. That's the music I was exposed to when I was small. You know, that's the music my mom plays around the house all the time. So it, it gives me a very nostalgic feel whenever I do music. It takes me back to just some really good times. But when I first fell in love with reggae music, I fell in love with music in general. I fell in love with songs. I fell in love with, you know, I've, I've always been drawn to artists that have a specific sound, you know, like a tenor saw, a tenor saw, Garnet Silk, um, just artists with like something different because you you know out of every generation and era of music, you have a particular artist 
that is almost always mimicked, you know? Like, other artists are influenced by, like, all Bob Marley. A lot of artists from that time was singing within the same line and energy that he was coming from, which nothing is wrong with, but it's just extremely exciting for me when I hear, you know, just distinctive voices and sounds. So I began to just, you know, research, do my own stuff, like check out different music, go on all sorts of um, pages on YouTube and check out all sorts of music and, you know, try to sing. I remember one time I was into opera, you know, I was really obsessed wow. with it. So, you know, I used to just sing along to whatever records I'd find and, and I would always try to regify like tracks that I hear elsewhere. Did you so, sorry, you know, did did you regify opera? <laughs> you know, I you know I can I, I can vividly remember doing that. Like I just <laughs> watch it and say, Okay, yo, I really love this vibe and probably put it on a reggae beat and you know, try singing that over a reggae beat and I was like, yo, that's when I realized that reggae music is really foundational. You know, it's a, you can take a reggae song and do so much with it. It can be hip hop, it can be dance or whatever the case, you know, whereas it might be. I mean, it's all music. Everything is just one music. It's just different sounds. But yeah, I definitely love all sorts of genres. I was also heavily influenced by soul music. So, you know, like early souls like Celine Dion and, and Mariah Carey and and Monica and all of those girls, my Monica. mom would be playing them. You know? I loved Monica, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust me, my mom would be blasting that over the house <laughs> and we'd just be listening to it. And like my favorite singer of all times, like other than Garnet Silk, a female singer was always Toni Braxton. I just read how, you know, her low register was one to just, yo, this girl is dope. You know, not a lot of people can do that. So I guess in listening to so much music and, you know, trying to sound like other artists and mimicking other sounds, I actually developed my sound over time, which is kind of a brew of all of those vibes. And so when I make music, now I try to just transcend it. Now a track like where I'm coming from, I went to the studio to do a dub plate for Second Chance, and the guy at the studio played me that rhythm, and I was like... He's like, yo, I know you love one drop reggae kind of vibe, but trust me, yo, I can already hear you on this beat. And I was like, yo, let me hear it. And he played it for me. And as soon as the the, 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 the first kick drop, I was just like, yo, the bass line, everything was just really solid. And right there and then I went in the booth and I was feeling it out. And, you know, this song came about. As I said in the introduction, I, I think you are going to be, a, you're already a star, um, just in you as yourself, but I, I think you're going to be a big thing on the music scene, and you deserve to be, because, I mean, your story and your talent are absolutely fantastic. You have a stunning voice, as I said, lyrically fire, um, and <laughs> I really I really hope many blessings come to you and many good things come your way. Leela, it was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I really enjoyed chatting to you. It was great to have you on. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. It was definitely a pleasure, you know, having this conversation because I've learned so much about myself that I didn't even know, you know, until I answered those questions. So thank you so much for that. I love that. Brilliant. Leila, <laughs> thank you. All right. Take care of yourself. Blessings.
I am so humbled when guests say that I really made them think that is probably the best compliment I can have. And how amazing is Leela I.K., ladies and gentlemen? She is absolutely fantastic. And here it is, her latest single, which is hopefully going to blow up. It should do. This is Where I'm Coming From. Leela I.K., Where I'm Coming From. Thankful for the blessings that are falling on my table. Learning all my lessons, now I'm willing and I'm able to do just what I can. As humble as a lamb Working towards a goal and we give thanks for helping hands Pray for health and strength and life for length and peace of mind Good people and good vibes We give thanks every time In every single line Even if it no rhyme I go sing redemption songs to the people When I think of where I'm coming from Looking back at where the journey begun I really have to say that I'm strong, I'm strong I'll pray The journey begun I really have to say that I'm strong I'm strong All praises to the most I want Make me tell you about the Life of a queen in a this your concrete jungle Firm in every dream so you're not gonna see me stumble Mama said no come down and mix with dirty bungle See they know me just a rise and some rise and some humble Aunt of Christiana, yes my left go look for mine Never sell me school, me cycle down and take my time Do it for the love so naturally the lights are shine Now me realize it's by design When I look at where I'm coming from Looking back at where the journey began I really have to say that I'm strong, I'm strong All praises to the most I want Can I tell you where I'm coming from? Looking back at where the journey began I really have to say that I'm strong, I'm strong All praises Heights of great men, reach and curved and that's it, Series 2, Episode 12 of Toblon Caged is done. I'd like to thank my fantastic guests this week, the incredible reviews from EOS Advocacy. You can follow them on Twitter, it's at EOS Advocacy. The sensational Leela Ike, follow her on Twitter, it's at Leela I-K-J-A. As always, my scene, thanks for the love of my life, the gorgeous Nicola Jeffrey. Follow her on Twitter, it's at Nicola C. Jeffrey. My man behind the booth, sound engineer Gap Falls. Follow him on Twitter, it's at Falls with Z Radio. And my in-house singer, it's Ray Star Music. Follow her on Twitter, it's at Ray underscore star 113. Thank you to the Gary for encaging me. I will see you next week. Uncaged.